Well, thank you guys again for being here. Thank you for helping us out as we are in transition. Your generosity is allowing us to do this million dollar renovation in the worship center completely debt free. And I really think you're gonna appreciate it once we get in there and um, you'll see all of the changes that will be made. The different, not only different types of seating and flooring, but just the usability of the space. We're grateful to God for this facility that we can worship in. There are a lot of churches that would love to have a facility like this that we are in here temporarily, and our students are certainly blessed because of it. Take your Bibles and head back to Genesis 3 with me this morning. We are concluding what was a three-part and became a four-part miniseries for us called The Slippery Slope of Sin. We're in this series called Genesis, Fact or Fiction, and I've been making the claim now since January that if Genesis is true, this stuff really matters. And Genesis 3 is the hinge point or the pivot around which the entire Bible rotates from good and right and relationship to broken and sad and separated. And we find that in Genesis 3, something radical takes place. And it doesn't seem that bad, if I'm being honest. Doesn't seem that disastrous that God said, don't eat of that fruit from that particular tree, and we had a piece of fruit from that particular tree. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But that's kind of like saying that one mutated cancer cell is not that big of a deal. See, the thing is, if you've had cancer, I've had some skin cancer cut out. If you've had skin cancer, and particularly the kind I had where they do the mows, they go back and they cut and they cut and they cut, they want to make sure there's not a single cell left. Because that mutation can come back and grow and be even more aggressive and cause more problems. And the problem with sin is it is a cancer within humanity. And it continues to grow and mutate and it gets progressively worse and worse and worse. You say, well, how could someone possibly shoot their grandmother, then go in a school of precious little children, nine and 10 year olds, and just wreak such havoc and destruction? How could that happen? Well, there's a sin issue, folks. There's a sin problem. And yes, there are mental health issues and there are challenges and there's an enormity of issues surrounding this and many other type events. But the problem ultimately is that we are not who we're supposed to be yet. We're not who God wants us to be yet. And it is only by the transformative power of the gospel and the person of Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that there's any hope for any of us. Never thought I'd see a day where churches would have to have guards and security and uniformed officers, but we have all of that because the reality is that the devil is active everywhere. And he came to steal and kill and destroy. And we see that right here in the first gospel, the proto-evangelium. The proto-evangelium is that first picture of the gospel. It is this verse where the Lord is saying in, in the cursing of Adam and Eve and the serpent, I'm going to put enmity, look at it on the screens with me, between you and the woman. That is between Satan, between you, serpent, and the woman, between your seed and her seed, he'll bruise your head, you'll bruise his heel. In fact, let's say it together, then I'll throw a few blanks in there to make sure we're getting it. Enmity means hostility, a, a, a big wall, if you will. There's going to be a problem here. Even though Satan was created as an angel, he's fallen in his pride. He's taken about a third of the angelic host with him. Now they're what we call demons. And so God says in the curse, your seed, Eve, ultimately that will be through the Virgin Mary, Jesus Christ, 
will bruise the head, in other words, a fatal blow to the serpent. But in the process, he will be hurt as well. So you guys join me in saying this. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Good, you got it now? Let's say it with some blanks, ready? I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Good, that's the Lord talking to the serpent. Okay, so what have we learned thus far in our study? The slippery slope of sin often starts with doubt. I'll show you as I'm reading the text today. It includes Distortion and denial and dishonesty and deception and desire and disobedience. And of course, we got three more D's that we're going to be uh, seeing as we come to the close today. But let's stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. And let me read this and then let me unpack each of those D's as we go. The Bible says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, watch the doubt, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God has said, you shall not eat it. Now watch this. We start distorting the truth. Nor shall you touch it. That's not in the record lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. That's the denial. He says this, you'll not surely die for God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now there's a combination of dishonesty and deception. He's trying to not only tell them a lie, he's trying to raise himself up because that's what he tried. He tried to be like God. And he failed. And so he's being dishonest. He's deceiving. Now watch this. We're going to move to the desire. He says, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, and here's the disobedience, she took of its fruit and she ate. And now we're going to start talking about this part today. And she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. We'll talk about this as well. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is really where everything changes. We see such a radical shift from Genesis 1 and 2 to Genesis 3 and following. And it all hinges around these moments of time where sin entered the human race and sin began to curse this world. And it doesn't look so bad on the surface. It just seems to be one little thing. But one little thing leads to two to three. And even in the sons of Adam and Eve, we see the seed of murder and the very action that comes forth right out of the gate. It's amazing how far we've come away from you and your truth. But God, would you draw us back? Lord, in your wrath, would you remember mercy? And would you do in and through your church what only you can do? And not just grace, but every church around this country and around the world that's proclaiming the whole counsel of your word. Would your hand of grace and mercy be on us? And would you do what only you can do? Teach us now, Lord, by your word and your spirit. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Thank you and be seated. So this next word I want to share with you guys is a little different. It's a D word. As I was prepping this though, this one came to mind really, really quickly because of things that I've seen. I'm going to, I'm going to use this word. The slippery slope of sin includes distension. Distension. That's a word that maybe you haven't heard a lot, but let me give you a little um, background. This really has to do with a ballooning effect. A ballooning effect. Let me reread some as you're getting that down if you're taking notes. It says that, that Eve took of the fruit, she ate it. Now watch. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. And this is what sin does. It distends. Being in Brazil a number of times, traveling to India, being in a number of third world nations, what you'll see is little children, often from the water or the malnutrition, their little bellies will be bloated and they're distended. A lot of times from the water, we've done a lot of clean water projects over the years because the water will have parasites and worms and it'll get in there and do all kinds of things to their system and it'll bloat their bellies. You may have seen this either in missions travel or commercials. And I'm using that word because the word has the idea of pressure from the inside that's creating expansion on the outside. So I figure we'll do a little exercise, okay? And so I got a pack of balloons here. Let's see, what color do we want to go with this time? Let's do this yellow. I've already done a, a vol orange, so we'll go with yellow. Um, let's try this. So you guys understand now this concept of distinction. This is what sin does, right? You go, yeah, somebody's already heckled and said, yeah, look, you're full of hot air. You don't have to say that again. It was cute in the first service. And I'm praying for his soul. Okay. So that's a good start. We start with there and we think, okay, well, you know, sin, I'm just going to try it a little bit. It's going to take one drink, one hit, one snort, one look. I'm just going to try it a little bit. But that's rarely, rarely, rarely where we stay, right? Normally, we try it a little bit more. Y'all like balloons? Yes? How many, I'm curious how big you can actually make these. Are you getting nervous? You look a little nervous. You're holding on to him. This is what sin does. Notice the balloon does not go out in one direction. It goes out in all directions. Remember we talked about the gunpowder? Y'all remember that? You think it can take much more? It's getting pretty thin, actually. That's okay. Oh, that's going to be bad when it goes off. And I'm going to just tell you right now. So anyway, you, you understand the concept here. Our sin, it touches, you like balloons? touches everyone and everything, right? Should I keep going? What do you think? Yeah, definitely. Oh, it's getting hard to blow up. The thing is, though, with sin, before you know it... Oh, that was great. I hope you got that on camera. Wow. That was a collective. That was brilliant. <laughs> Before you know it, it pops. It'll blow up in your face and it'll affect everyone and everything around you. That is the nature of sin. You want me to do it again? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. That's what, sorry about that. You okay? You chose to sit up front. <clears throat> that is the nature of sin, isn't it? In fact, I wrote it this way. You guys jot it down if you're taking notes. This sin started with Eve, but it did not stay with Eve. You know, when people take that drink and they think, I'm okay, I'm feeling pretty good, and then they think, you know, I can drive. 
you, you may get away with it one time. You may get away with it two times, but the reality is eventually it's gonna pop in your face and it's gonna hurt or destroy you or other people that you may not even know. That's the way sin works. I kind of like it down here. I think I'll just stay down here. This is much better. So that, this is the way sin works. It blows up now. Who in here, like Humpty Dumpty, can put this back together? Anybody want to? It's, it's wet with my spit. It's pretty gross. Um, <laughs> I gross myself out. Anybody want to give this a whirl now that I've told you what it's full of? Of course you can't put this back together, right? Nobody can. And so the reality, I know that was a great shot for the camera. Thanks, Jesse. Um, nobody can put this back together because it's blown up in my face. This is what sin does. Now, we can't be 100% certain that Adam actually listened to the voice of the serpent. We don't know, 100%, although I'll give you my opinion in a moment. But we can be 100% certain he heeded the voice of his wife. If you have a Bible open, look ahead to Genesis 3.17. It said, God said to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, and then God gives him his own cursing. You see, he listened to her voice, maybe when she responded to the serpent, or maybe they had a conversation afterward and she brought the fruit back and said, I saw this, it looked delicious, and, and I got all these promises and I tried it, and you should try some too. I don't know. But clearly, Adam was involved. Another view is that when it says he was with her, maybe it just means he was with her off to the side. I personally believe, and many conservative Bible scholars and pastors believe, that Adam was very likely right there with her. He just kept his mouth closed, and he played a dumb bunny, and all of a sudden, he's involved too. I happen to believe he was actually there. And part of the reason is 1 Timothy 2. Watch this. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived. Why? Because he heard the instructions straight from the ear of God. But the woman being deceived fell into transgression. She didn't hear it directly from God. She had to have heard it from Adam, according to Genesis 2. And I know this debate has raged for centuries, but I believe Adam was wimping out. I believe Paul said he wasn't deceived because he received the direct command from God and he had no excuse. Either way, it doesn't change the tragedy. The truth is, sin started with Adam and Eve, but it didn't stay with Adam and Eve. You know the story of Cain and Abel. We'll get there one day. I don't know if we'll be there by Christmas, but we're gonna get there one day. Uh, we're gonna talk about Cain and Abel. We're gonna see what happened in the very first family. But no question, Adam was with her at some point and he knew better than to take from that tree but he did it anyway because the slippery slope of sin includes distension. There's never been an alcoholic or a drug addict or a person with a gambling or porn addiction that ever started drinking or shooting up or playing or watching, thinking to themselves, I hope this takes over my life. I hope this ruins my health. I hope it dissolves my marriage and takes away my children and puts me in financial ruin and destroys me from the inside. I hope that this temporary thing that brings me so much so-called joy or pleasure, which is fleeting, the Bible says, which is but for a season, I hope this thing takes it all away from me. And we put a little more air in. We put a little bit more air in. And we put a little bit more air in. And it blows up in our face. Sin keeps growing and growing and growing if you and I don't give it over to the Lord and ask him to take it away, to deflate the problem Sin imparts and impacts more than just you, and you know it. 
There's doubt and distortion, denial, dishonesty, deception, desire, disobedience, distension. And then, of course, guys, you know this too. The slippery slope of sin includes disgrace. Disgrace, shame. Verse 7, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings or they girded themselves. And I don't know, somebody asked me between services, how'd they know what to cover? I don't know, ask the Lord. Doesn't matter, they covered themselves. I don't know. That's a good question with no answer that I see in the Bible. The point is that they covered themselves. Now they did know. Now they did know. Now their eyes were open. But unlike God, they have a personal knowledge of wrong. See, I wrote it like this. Instead of becoming like the great physician and understanding disease and suffering, now Adam and Eve were like the patient, infected with disease and sin, experiencing shame for the first time. They're infected. Now, see, I mentioned I had some skin cancer many years ago, in my 20s, in fact. And so when they did the procedure and cut and cut and cut, some of you have been through that. You know what that's like. They go back and they cut again and they cut again. They make sure there are clean edges and then they stitch you back about 17 stitches for that cancer. But I've never been through cancer the way some of you have with radical treatments and all that goes along with it. So you could speak to a person differently than I could. And, and like my father with Alzheimer's, having walked the journey of dementia-related illness with a close family member, I can speak to some of you in a way and we can empathize in a way that others can't. Well, the thing is, Satan said you're gonna be like God, meaning you're gonna have all this wonderful knowledge, but they're not like God. They're like a sick patient who now needs treatment. And the only treatment, of course, is gonna be what we read earlier, the seed of, of woman, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. But there's immediate disgrace. Their eyes are open, they look at each other, and instead of the beauty and the transparency and the joy of husband and wife walking around with literally nothing between them, now they go, oh, ooh, something's wrong. Ooh, ooh I gotta hide myself from you, and, and I've gotta hide myself from my creator. And we'll, we'll talk about that next time. I've got to go hiding because something is wrong. Why would you hide? You hide because of shame. So the innocence and openness is replaced by guilt and the desire to hide. We'll see it play out later. They ate, they saw, but they were spoiled in so doing. So now they're ill at ease with one another. There's mistrust and alienation. Now they're ill at ease with God. There's fear and there's hiding. And I would just remind you, Satan's promises never come true. Wisdom is never attained by disobeying God's word. It may be fun to play with the balloon. It may look great. It may be shiny and you may like to bounce it all around. But eventually, just like Holly's graduation party, just like her party last Sunday, we had all of these orange and white balloons blown up. And we had them out on the deck and the wind caught a few of them. And eventually as the wind caught them and they blew beyond our grasp, they hit the grass or some sticks and then bang, bang. They get away from you. In fact, I nearly reached over for my Second Amendment right the other night when Sunday night, about midnight, I heard a horrible sound. And I went into our dining room and one of the balloons that was full of glitter and shiny things, <laughs> which are never ever allowed in my house again, one of those things popped. I have no idea why. I was gonna pop back, but it was just a balloon. I have no idea what happened. But the reality is that that's what sin does. And many times it's just when you least expect it. Oh, we've played with this, we've gotten away with it. If you've lived long enough, you've been disgraced by your own sin and maybe even the sin of someone you care about. 
I want to say to you, if you know Christ today, you can let go of all shame and guilt because when he paid for your sin, he paid for it past, present, and future. You don't have to hold on to your shame and guilt anymore. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And if you say, well, Pastor Bobby, I'm not lost. Well, maybe you're my brother or sister in Christ, but if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning as your Lord and your Savior, the Bible says you are lost. In fact, I give you the last point on the authority of the Word of God. The slippery slope of sin ultimately leads to death. You had to know that D was coming. Death. Now, we don't see it right here in 1 to 7, but we see it in chapter 2. God said, if you eat of this fruit, you will die. And you say, well, they didn't kill over that day. That's because God was speaking of something far, far more serious. They died spiritually that day. That's why they were so ashamed. Later, they would die physically. And I'll not restate everything I've said, but remember, after the fall, if you're born once, you'll die twice. But if you're born twice, you'll only die once. Remember that after the fall, if you're born once physically through your mama's womb and you're never born again by the Holy Spirit of God, then there is a second death coming for you after your body and your soul separate. And it either goes to heaven or to hell. There will be a second death. And that second death means that your eternal destiny is set. Your destination cannot be changed after death. It cannot change. We read about that very clearly in Luke 16 and in many places in Scripture. You must choose today whom you will serve. You must choose right now. And you say, I'm not ready. I'll choose later. Then you've said no to God. That is your choice. That is your choice. I would beg you not to say no to God because it leads to death. But when you're born again, when you're born twice, as Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, you never have to taste the second death, the real death. Yes, your body and your soul may separate, but then your body, your, your immaterial you goes to be with the Lord in heaven. At rapture, the material you is reunited together with the Lord in the air, and you will forever be with your Lord and your Savior and your loved ones in Christ who have gone before you. But our first father, Adam, and our first mother, Eve, their choices had devastating effects on all of us. In the posterity of our first family, we've all become subject to sin and death. That's what the Bible says. In fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, in Adam all die. But it doesn't end there. I've written it like this. Despite all these catastrophic facets of sin, God is offering us deliverance. Deliverance. In Adam, all die, but in Christ, all are made alive. You see, Paul would teach the Corinthian believers and the Roman believers, and he wants to teach us here at Grace today that Jesus Christ is the second Adam. All that Adam and Eve did that was wrong and brought devastation, Jesus Christ undid to take us back to paradise, to restore the wrong, to cover it over and to cleanse it forever. And you say, well, you know the truth is I'm not that bad. I've never been disgraced by my sin. Well, maybe you don't know Jesus if you've never been disgraced by your sin. If you've never been ashamed of doing something that would bring dishonor to the Lord. You say, but I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Well, listen to what the Bible says. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, homologeo, say the same word about yourself that God's already said. You know you're a sinner, none is righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Homologeo, I'm gonna tell God, Father, I know. 
I've messed up many times. I've stumbled in many ways. I am a sinner. But when you confess and get specific, this is what I've done and that's what I've thought or this is what I've not done. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Man, I don't want to call God a liar. Let all men be called a liar, but let, let God never be called a liar. And y'all know the effects of sin. There's punishment and there's pain. And where Adam and Eve had life, now they've got death. And where they had pleasure, now they've got pain. And where they had abundance, now they have a meager subsistence by toil of the brow. And where there was perfect fellowship and no shame, now there's alienation and conflict. And there's separation and distance. Even the very clothing they try to put on could not be accepted by God. God's going to take care of that later in the chapter. But God is still making all things new, guys. But God... Look at Revelation 21. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, no more pain. For the former things have passed away and he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. That includes you. That includes me. God is in the business of making all things new. And he told John, write this down, buddy. There, These words are true and they are faithful. And you and I, we are going to face temptation in this flesh. We are going to face temptation in this life. And it will either destroy you or it will develop you. I have found in my own life that it is in that time of temptation that either pushes me toward the Lord or pushes me away. It destroys or it develops. I want to give you four verses. You probably heard them all. Just jot the references down. That's what you've got on your notes. Four references just to help you, okay? They're going to be Galatians 5.16, Colossians 3.2, Romans 12.21, and James 4.7. They're also listed at the end of your outline. I always give every reference I've made at the end of your outline called cross-references, okay? But let me show you these verses and why they're so special. Galatians 5.16 says, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If I'm tied up with the Holy Spirit of God, if he is really controlling me, he lives in you if you're a Christian, but is he controlling you? Has he filled you? Is there any room left in your cup for anything else or is it full of the Holy Spirit? Sometimes we're half and half. Don't do an Arnold Palmer with God, okay? No half of you, if y'all don't know what that is, ask somebody. It's not an alcoholic drink though, if, uh, it, I don't think. So half of you, half of God won't cut it. It's gotta be all of the Holy Spirit. You gotta be filled with the Spirit, and when you're walking in the Spirit, you're not gonna get over into the lust of the flesh. Watch this, Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. I gotta think right. I can't keep thinking about those other things if it's not right with the Lord. Otherwise, my thinking begins to tweak my heart, and my heart begins to tweak my hands and my feet, and I begin to do the things I shouldn't do because I've been thinking about them. And then the Bible says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You are an overcomer if you know Jesus today. Greater is he that is in you and me than he that is in the world. I am an overcomer. Not because Mandisa told me, but because King Jesus told me. I am an overcomer. You are an overcomer. You gotta be thinking right. You gotta be walking right. You gotta overcome the evil with good. And then look at this, James 4, 7. Couldn't be any more straightforward than this. Therefore, submit to God... Resist the devil, and what's he going to do, y'all? He's going to cut and run because he has no power over you if you're a Christian. 
None of those promises apply without Jesus. None of that can work for you if you're not a Christian today. None of it. But if you know Jesus Christ, stand. Stand firm. Stand therefore. Ephesians 6 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, rulers, hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Stand therefore and resist him. Say, no, you dirty, rotten, slimy scoundrel. I will not do that. I will not think on that. Look at that. Go there. Engage in that. No. And you say, well, just one more little puff won't hurt. And all of a sudden, pop. The balloon blows up in your face. You go, how did that happen? I thought I was so far away from the edge. Our kids are going to camp tomorrow. And every year I led youth camp. I had teenagers asking, can I do this or can I do that? What are the rules with my girlfriend, my boyfriend? And I said, when you're asking, you already know the answer. Because you're right there. I'm making some of y'all nervous, ain't I? I'm right there. I'm not going to get hurt, baby. I don't want to mess up the temple for you. It's okay. <laughs> We're going to stay. We're going to stay as far away from the edge as possible. Because just like the snowball, you start rolling it down just a smidgen, and all of a sudden, you're on the slippery slope of sin. What are the 10 Ds we've learned? Doubt, right? Distortion, denial, dishonesty, deception, desire, disobedience, distension, it grows, disgrace, and even death. But can I give you this? This is really what I want you to remember. This is what I want you to remember. God is offering us deliverance. You can be delivered today. You, you don't have to be the victim today. You can let go and let God. You can trust him. You can give it over. Some of you are holding on to shame. If it's confessed, it's cleansed. If you've told the Lord, now you may have to go to somebody else. You may have to go to a brother because there's a vertical law and there's a horizontal law. You gotta love God, but you also gotta love your brother and your sister. There's an old Indian legend that goes like this. Many years ago, Native American youths would go away in solitude to prepare for manhood. One such youth set off to climb the peak of a mountain and when he reached the top, he could see forever and his heart swelled with joy. Then he heard a rustle at his feet, and looking down, he saw a snake. Before he could move, the serpent spoke. I'm about to die. It's too cold up here for me. I'm freezing. There's no food, and I'm starving. Please, put me under your shirt. Just take me down into the valley and release me. <laughs> oh, no. I know your kind. You're a rattlesnake. If I pick you up, you're going to bite me and I'm going to die. No, 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 no. I'm going to treat you differently. If you do this for me, you'll be special. I'll not harm you. Well, the youth withstood for a while, but it was a very persuasive snake with beautiful markings and an incredible rattler. And at last, the youth picked him up and tucked the snake under his shirt and carried it down to the valley pulled it out and laid it down gently on the grass. And suddenly the snake coiled and rattled and it struck and it bit him on the leg. But you promised, cried the youth in agony as he was dying. You knew what I was when you picked me up, hissed the snake as he slithered away. As Heather comes up to join me, my friends, we've got to leave those old slithering serpents of sin alone. And I would remind you today, the devil rarely comes to you crawling on his belly. 
The Bible says he masquerades as an angel of light. So I'm gonna just throw a few things out there. I'm just gonna throw a few things out there that I've seen over 20, I'm in my now 24th year I just started a ministry. Just a few things I'm gonna throw out that the Lord's put on my heart. I didn't say it in the first service, but I thought maybe you should mention. Some of you may be having text conversations right now that you know are inappropriate. That needs to stop right now. This moment, it needs to stop. Out of the last 13 cases of infidelity I dealt with, Pastor Todd, 12 of them had digital connections in their beginnings. 12 of the 13, digital. Some of you need to stop that mess right now because you are headed for disaster. Some of you and the things you're putting in your body, it could be your mouth, your eyes, your ears, you're on a path of destruction. And if you're honest this morning, you know it. It is going to blow up in your face and it will never be the same. The parts cannot go back together again. Some of you have maybe held a grudge in your spirit. Maybe there's animosity and there's a break in your relationship somewhere. Maybe even with a family member. And it's killing you. It's killing the family. But it's not my sin. You don't understand what they did. I don't need to because I know how a Christian's supposed to respond. And a Christian's supposed to take the high road and do the right thing. I know my Lord didn't mess up, but he still chose to forgive and love. Well, well I'm not Jesus. Well, a Christian ought not to think that way. You should say, I have the power of the living Lord in me. And he can forgive through me. He can love through me. Anytime you say, I can't, Christian, you're saying God can't. I don't know what it is in your life, but I do want you to stop doubting the word of God. Stop twisting and distorting it. Stop denying its power. Don't be dishonest to cover your tracks. That leads you into deception. And then the desires of your heart turn into disobedience. That will distend and blow up in your face and affect everyone around you. Then you will be down in disgrace. And apart from the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, it will end in death. That's the nature of this slippery slope. With the power of Christ, every one of us can stay off the slippery slope of sin. Stand with me this morning. If you need to give something over to the Lord, I would ask you to come to the altar. I know it's a little different setup. I know there's a lot of people in the room. Hey, there's a lot less people in the room than normal. <laughs> don't worry about it. You say, well, I don't, what would people think? Well, who cares? What does God think? You could also come and pray for our students going to camp. You could come and pray for the, the victims and the tragedy of Uvalde. You could come and thank God for the servicemen and women that paid the ultimate price this Memorial Weekend as we celebrate their sacrifice yesterday as we thank God for them. We don't celebrate in a yee-hoo, yay, that kind of way. No, 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 we thank God for their bravery and their courage. And you can come and thank God for them. You, you could come today and... And you could pray for our own Southern Baptist Convention. Listen, where I've read names and, and heard of guys in this thing that uh, if there's real sin involved, then the light needs to shine brightly, man. We need to get the truth out there. We need to rip off every Band-Aid and let the infection be seen for what it is so that there can be healing. But where there's been distortion of truth, we need to get to the truth. We need to get to the bottom and get to the truth so that hope and healing can happen, particularly for those abused and those survivors. We need to love them well in a time like this. Cindy and I'll be at the convention in a few weeks over in Anaheim, California, hopefully trying to do the right thing 
but you can come and you can pray. I know in a message like this, nobody wants to come forward because everybody will be looking at you. Yeah, well, guess what? We already know you're a sinner. <laughs> so I'm gonna turn around and pray because I got my own stuff and I'm gonna pray for you too. If you feel so led, as I say amen, you come on. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the opportunity to be gathered in this beautiful place to open your word and study it together and help us to remember, Lord, that none is righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of your glory. We all stumble in many ways, and yet you are there to pick us up if we'll just call out to you, believing Jesus died for our sins, was buried and raised by the power of God the third day to pay the price we could never pay. And by his stripes and by his wounds, by his piercing, we find healing and hope because you knew even when you made Adam and Eve, they were gonna fall away. You knew what they would do, but you loved us enough anyway. You've given us another chance. So move us in these final minutes to be warriors in prayer, to pray for these things mentioned and any others that you've laid on our heart as we have our final few minutes together in Jesus' name, amen. The altar's open, you guys come on. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.